0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on
1: 94.7 The Pulse, the weekly wrap-up and word on the street. This is 11 on Friday. Nick, a very good morning to you. How are you? Um, well, Mitchell, yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. And a big thanks to Dennis for the last two hours of his program. And He'll be back again next Friday. Uh, well, first of all, we've had pretty full on rain over the last couple of days, but I suppose it was to be expected. They uh, really amped it up and said it was going to be the rainfall event of September. Well, it wasn't, was it? Not quite yet, but uh, the forecast does say a thunderstorm this afternoon. I don't know how likely that is. Rain tomorrow too, I think. Yeah, so the weekend, the first weekend out of lockdown uh, is going to be washed out. I mean, it's very hard to find a weekend when you're both out of lockdown and the weather is fine. Um, Those weekends don't really seem to exist at the moment. They don't coexist, no. No, and uh, you think, oh, well, maybe I'll wait until next uh, weekend to go and do some things and maybe the weather will be better then. And then by that next weekend around,
0: we're back in lockdown again. It's a bit like the rural scene, Mitchell, the comparison there whereby you can always, um, you get good seasons, but you don't get good markets. Mm, uh, they're yeah. having having a run of both at the moment, thankfully.
1: Oh, really? That's yeah, good. very good.
0: Very good out there.
1: So, uh, yeah, how much rain have we had? Um, apparently, according to this, none since 9am. So it was all before 9am, that it rain was, overnight. It
0: was... I woke to steady rain. It was just lovely, lying there. It was just yep. beautiful. You uh, didn't get that that often, do we? we? Look, there used to be a phraseology that I remember as a kid. three, the, the three, the You get your three days of rain. Well, how long's it been since we've had three... Do you remember that when you... Just couldn't get out of the rain. Do you remember those times? I remember it perhaps more, like
1: I do remember when we had floods here in the 90s, that was when I was growing up, but um, I also remember living overseas in a more tropical climate and there when you have the wet season. you're in Africa. That's right, and uh, with the wet season there, it would rain every day quite often and heavy rain, torrential rain, Mm. and uh, Mm. the the buildings and the infrastructure over there are all designed to deal with it, they had massive gutters, um, whereas here we have a little bit of rain and the stormwater drains and things are all... Overwhelmed and can't keep up, and the roads become flooded, and people don't know how to drive, and mm. you know, one thing leads to another.
0: Mm. That was in um, uh, East, oh sorry, West Africa. There in uh, Nigeria, uh, Nigeria. Yep, mm. in an island. In fact, today
1: is on an island. Yes, it was on the delta in the delta. Oh wow! Today, in fact, um, funny you mention it is Nigerian Independence Day. Is it really? October the 1st, 1960. And oh, I remember a it song
0: for that? I <laughs> could probably find <laughs> it.
1: Um, I remember because we used to commemorate it every year over there. Yes. Um, so they got independence in 1960. And you'd have to say, looking at the history of that country, it's been a pretty rough ride since 1960. I think they've been under military rule three times and then returned to democracy. And then that didn't seem to last long and then back to military rule.
0: I remember driving down through uh, Nigeria in 1979 and it was the worst, probably the worst country I've ever driven in. It was just... In terms ha- of the roads? It, the- it was it was a nightmare from beginning to end. I mean, it was just so unorganized. It was... It was probably... Um, I don't want to give it too much bad, bad press but if you've seen that, that show Blood Diamond, you know, the, the part of it was just um, Rafferty's Rules. It was just... Yeah, there was no rule of law. It was where did you come in from? I came from the north. Um, we came down from Niger. So through the desert, cause we, that's ca- we came across the Sahara. Niger is meant to be a
1: very tough country. You know, I mean, it's basically desert, isn't
0: it? It's all desert, and um, we came down from. Um, Tunisia, then to Algeria, and then down through the desert to Niger and uh, over weeks and spent some time in some amazing places. Probably the only place that you really feel like you've transcended into another world, the Sahara. It's a beautiful place. And then where did you finish? So if you started in the north, how far south did you go? Um, Well, we got stuck in Central Africa for a number of weeks um, with... um, uh, Lack of fuel and sickness and things, and we were there for a number of weeks on the bank, banks of the mighty Ubangi River in Bangui, um, and that was in the time of the reign of Jean-Bedel Um and he was there uh, very much fated by the the French government under Giscard d'Estaing at the time, uh, because there were a lot of diamonds coming out of Central Africa, mm. and so these things occurred, and the and the and it was it was fated with the uh, arrival and the um uh frequency of the concord on occasions down into really yeah central africa yeah and um that was that was particularly amazing because uh it was such a poor country it was just you know uh we were camped below the palace and uh there were these big walls and at the time in 79 he'd spent 18 million on his own coronation uh making himself um the uh, premier uh, the emperor mm. of the com- country and there were men at the gates there with their big pantaloons on and turbans and big swords with their arms crossed it was something like out of the forty thieves and then right next to them someone would be just dying of hunger mm-hmm. in the gutter um so and, there was quite that contrast and are you saying the government there almost
1: paid to charter the Concorde to come down to central africa from france
0: yeah well i mean i don't know what the terms and conditions were of those visits but um there were a lot of french uh diplomats, diplomats and when he when he was uh, eventually uh, ousted by the tanzanian um leader milton abode um uh, look at i don't know the year, maybe early eighties. Um, he he eventually went to France where he died. They gave him harbour there, but the, it was a gruesome discovery there in, the, in his palace um, with um, human body parts in his fridge. Um, mm. And uh, the sort of man he was, uh, but he still ended up in France there. And of course, France is very very topical at the moment. People, you know, I, I <clears throat> we talk about this submarine deal. And, um, you know, it's it's a highly controversial uh, situation and people keep quoting fr- fr- the French uh, for what they've done, uh, which I don't think it's allowable uh, under the terms of this contract. I think that contract should stand alone, but they have been um, a, a law under themselves, especially in the South Pacific um have you um at all there and they're um testing of various atomic weapons and things like that plus you know i don't know if you remember the rainbow warrior affair they perhaps a bit before my time. sank the ship there in the new zealand harbor when was that oh well there you go uh, you have to I'll find you have to it. google that but um the,
1: the years but um i think yeah, the whole submarine thing i, th- well, I think we've canvassed over it. A fair bit, but um, I think the problem was really with the previous administration, the Turnbull government. And this is what I asked Richard Miles about on the programme during the week how much of the current government is to blame? And of course, they say yes, they are to blame, but um, (coughs) a lot of the people that you see when they play the footage of when that original deal was done are no longer in Parliament. I mean, Turnbull's left Parliament, Christopher Pine from South Australia um, left Parliament. So. You know, they were the two main people, I think, that really spearheaded that submarine deal.
0: Look, um, it, it was probably the right deal for the time because the, there's no way known you could have implemented or, or floated the idea of a nuclear-powered submarine uh, for Australia at the time. Uh, things have changed. I mean, Xi Jinping was in Australia in 2014 and fated right across the states everywhere and, and in Parliament um, uh, how that has changed and now we see this possible adversarial relationship um, w- whereby nuclear subs are most definitely uh, on the table. I think the uh, th- hints... Th- it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been possible then.
1: I think the hints of an adversarial relationship might have been there, maybe not quite as strong as today,
0: but back in, what, 14, 15, when this was done? Look, there are always hints, but we were always being on the glass half full side mm-hmm. and, and hoping that uh, and and you could see by our then Prime Minister's um, support of Xi Jinping and rightly so uh, I think it was Tony Abbott um, you know we were looking forward to a positive relationship to China as, as we still are, we still are but um, you know there are certain things raising their head that have to be Put to, you know, put to rest, and um, part of it is going to be uh, a deterrent force. So th- this is on the on the table now. I don't think anyone's arguing with that. What 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 they're upset about is the way it was it was handled, and um, there was absolutely no um, conversation about the fact that this was foundering until the last few hours. And I, I you know I just don't buy that Scott Morrison could he couldn't get a call through to. Um, Macron. Emmanuel Macron uh, you know it should have been handled mano a mano it should have been man to man first it could have been done even 24 hours before mm. it should have been handled mano a mano that's that's the way I live my life and I, and I would have thought but do you know and I've made these uh, these observations about our prime minister before he has a problem relating he has a problem relating and and, and that can be damaging um, I don't support Turnbull's comments, but I, I do believe that he has a problem relating. And and, and that can be seen just by his demeanour and the way he wears that mask around. I've often had a shot at him about that mask, but does anyone tell him that it doesn't look quite right, NQR, as they say, uh, for a prime minister to be doing that? You know, it's kind of like one of these people you see riding down the street, uh, you know, maybe an older person, maybe someone my age, um, riding down a street uh, on a push bike with a you know a a tall um little wand sticking out an australian flag floating along behind him you know he's making a statement of some sort and you think yep that's fine nationalistic he's he's enjoying his life he's doing that's what he thinks and i and i tend to look at scott morrison the same light when he walks out with that australian flag plastered all over his face Mm. you know it's a bit like the guy riding down the street with a flag on the back of the bike you know it doesn't seem to be quite quite the ticket for a prime minister you know it just doesn't seem to be at all you and, want and, someone to look more prime ministerial well like, well so, prime ministerial and more aware of what of what communication is and what and what ambassadorial behavior is and but, you know trump didn't have it and i'm not comparing him to trump at all but i'm just saying these men do fail at these levels and he's failing a little bit at that level especially in that last few hours uh, with that contract. That should have been handled differently. I do wonder, though, if
1: they'd done that, if he'd called up Macron, you know, 24, 48 hours it's before. It's his job,
0: Mitchell. You don't have to worry about it. It's his job
1: yeah but I'm just wondering would the French have reacted any differently I think they'd be just as disappointed that the subs are being cut because it's a big deal most
0: definitely there would have been no difference in the reaction most definitely but there would have been uh, no cause for him to say why didn't you tell me first mm. don't you know he, he, he did I get this right did he send a text message I haven't, uh, haven't checked that what I've yeah, I've been led to believe he sent a text message. Sorry, deals off like dumping the girlfriend. Sorry, you're dumped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or dumping the boyfriend. Let's be, let's be magnanimous about it. Over uh, SMS yeah. is not the way to go. No, it's not no, the no. way. You, you yeah. should uh,
1: probably, no. ideally, you'd meet in person, if not pick up the phone. And call over something that significant, but at the same time they were going to be pretty annoyed either way. Look, I've
0: said it before, and, and if we're going to develop a strength, why don't we make it an underwater strength? Um, you know, it's a it's a big call to to have um, um, an an extra ninety billion on the on the ticket, on the on the credit. But um, do you know there could be a reason to keep both forms of subs? Um, especially if we're not able to service the uh, the nuclear subs on our own back. That really does, that really concerns me. I'm a runner of equipment too. And I think to myself, well, there's no difference between ma- myself and the nation. This, um, we should have, we should be more autonomous than, than being reliant on the north. And it's nothing to do with our allies. It's just the distance involved and the mm. str- If If there's pressure coming to bear... Will, will we get first, you know, look in when it comes to maintenance and things like that? I mean, we can't, we can't handle nuclear technology yet, and it's definitely a precursor to bringing it onto our shores for other reasons, and I think that's probably a good thing too. Uh, well, it's definitely a good thing. I don't, I don't think we're going to handle carbon without it. I just don't and And, look, it'll be our new coal um i mean if we want to talk self centeredly it's 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 our new coal um that's for sure I mean we're the biggest uh supply of of uranium in the world, so I'm led to believe high and low grade so um that's what they're saying. That's exactly what we have. Yeah, uh, yeah, uranium. Hmm. And,
1: uh, yeah, the climate challenge issue, climate change and climate challenge has been a point of discussion this week about net zero and all that sort of thing. And I think that the problem is with the, the net zero by 2050... And I've said this many times before, you can't just let people get away with that, saying 2050, because it's so far down the line that people can kick the can down the road and there's no accountability and nowhere to hold the current government to account that for really what worries me. subsequent governments. So if you do want to take it seriously, it's not good enough to just say, oh, net zero by 2050, you've got to have interim Targets and be quite upfront with it if you want to take it seriously. But you know, don't pretend like you're taking it seriously by putting it. And this is both parties onto the back burner into 2050.
0: Uh, I I think that just segueing along there, um, the climate summit coming up in in December, Glasgow in Glasgow, uh, COP 26. We haven't we haven't uh, had a had a yay or nay where our Prime Minister whether he's going to attend, that or not. Um, you know, on the back of his excuse that... Um, and this goes back to what I said earlier about relating. On the back of his excuse that that's a time when we're opening up and I'm needed back home. Well, uh, I don't think anyone would argue with his, with, with his um, uh, uh, requirement to be there at that, at that summit you know it's 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 well they it's, go to every it, other summit at whim it's an imp- well you can say it that way but let's be positive about it. it's imperative for him to be there and to show some leadership at that level and i put it to i i make the comparison when the the fire the fire chiefs asked him to attend a, a, an important national meeting regarding fire potential there pre 2019 uh, and he didn't um, he didn't just think that that was important uh, that was prior to the fires um you know and he made his decision not to attend and he's making another decision uh, perhaps not to attend this um, and he won't be he won't be uh, uh, dissuaded he's a fairly he's a fairly you know, you know once he makes his mind up and i do give him credit for that that is that is a good quality. I think that if once you've got that, you're providing the, the judgment is correct. You don't want a politician like a weather van? No, you don't. You don't. I mean, he's he's keeping a foot in both camps at the moment, but he shouldn't be doing that. He should be very positive about mm. this. Yeah. yeah, I don't buy the argument that he needs to be here for the opening up because if you have a
1: robust plan in place, number one, um, then you can follow that. And number two, uh, we've learned that the state premiers seem to be the ones that drive it and each state will just do its own thing.
0: That's, that's, that's very true. And look, the psychology is important that Australians want to see their country represented there, and by our PM too. So. Well, whether you are planning
1: on having a net zero target by twenty fifty or not, it probably makes sense for Australia to at least have
0: a seat at the table. You would think, very much so, very much so. And let's just hope that we do hit net zero. But I've been cynical on that on that front. Uh, you know, and you know how how I come to that conclusion. How? Gut feel, mm. gut feel. We just, we're just not dealing with carbon. It's still rising. We're not dealing with it properly. Um, we're doing. Uh, we, we have come a long way, um, but it would be a massive
1: lifestyle shift from now unless there's some brand new technology that's not nuclear that arrives between now and 2050. It'd well, be, a major possible
0: shift. That will be. Um, It's possible that there will be. It's possible that there will be fusion or one of those. For thirty but, years, a lot can change in thirty years. Oh, look, it's you know, it's possible there will be. I mean, they've got this new. Technology now up in Scandinavia, where they're actually sucking carbon out of the air mm. and getting thousands of tons every year. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably not going to turn anything around, but it's a terrific um, initiative to be able to do that. And I'm not sure how that works, but um, um, you know, I've always said that I felt that um, things like uh, seaweed and carbon sequestration through seaweed is really, really showing a lot of promise because not only does it pull the carbon out of the air, it also can be used uh, for other things, you know, um, it can be harvested, so, and and on massive scales, um, so, but, you know, that's for the experts, but I I don't see that we're, you know, carbon is still rising, we're still going to go along our way, um, and um, continue producing it, unfortunately. Now, um, we should talk about the covid situation because
1: i believe at eleven thirty in about COVID. nine minutes the government is going to be providing an update um, i can't see much being announced today state but, government yes i think the big announcement was yesterday i don't know if you saw the premier's media conference but he was in his usual form yesterday he was having a field day um, with all of the issues that came up and it was a big day yesterday uh, when we Pretty much doubled the number of cases from the day before um, to have 1,400 plus new cases in one day. Today, the number's a little bit better, 1,143 new cases, um, but we're now up to a total of 10,944 active cases. How many deaths in that place? Three today. No. And I think we're just getting used to the fact that now there are deaths every day from COVID here in Victoria. Yeah, when you've got that number of cases sustained over many days. But uh, some of the things he was saying I thought were quite odd yesterday. For example, the reporters were... Really, sort of going back to the philosophy that he had right at the very start of this lockdown—the sort of go hard, go fast—and also this competition between Victoria and New South Wales, and saying, "Well, Victoria's been tougher, but you know, it's all for the right cause in the long run." And well, it's,
0: it's almost like a footy match, isn't it, between us? You know, New South Wales ahead, we're ahead. They're right. below, whatever. It There's is all that, that comparison going it's like the on, Grand Final. especially Labor and Liberal too. But uh, he was then
1: yesterday coming out and saying, "Well, actually, Gladys." Berejiklian and has said that Sydney had harsher restrictions in Victoria, um, so you need to ask Gladys about um, you know the harshness of restrictions. And I, don't I thought it was just a strange a, I was way was to say. That's would you would you concur with that? I thought that was a very strange way to deflect the questions. I'm well, there's not a lot of to, strangeness happening here. I certainly wasn't buying that line because if she, if. Um, <sighs> I mean, maybe, Glad. I don't know why Gladys said that uh, New South Wales had tougher restrictions than we did, because clearly they haven't. They've been in lockdown for far less of a time and also they've been more reluctant to implement these statewide lockdowns where everyone in the state lives under the same restrictions, whereas here in Victoria that's been part and parcel of the whole thing. It's only very recent that we've gone to this model of, for example, the Latrobe Valley, that LGA gets locked down because the Premier's previously said LGA lockdowns don't work. Uh,
0: look, in, in, a, in a graphical way of looking at that you know the LGA is getting locked down um, you know when a painter when a painter paints a say a huge wall and a marker in one spot he puts that paint on the wall then he feathers out of it he, you know do you ever do you know, ever heard of that term feathering out they just they'll just sort of blend that paint yeah you know, and that's the, these, the, it, yep. the, that's called feathering and this is feathering you know in terms of COVID this is feathering we, we're moving out of the, the zone now we're moving out of the heavy lockdown come what may we're all approaching 80% or hopefully 70 and 80% um, so there's no real Agreement or willpower, and willpower is big one to go into full lockdowns now. When well, look, when it started, there was a whole different psychology. I would defend his, and I have defended it here. Hard, go hard, go early. Things were different. Uh, we didn't know about the virus. The virus was containable. You could get back to zero. We proved that. It's only when Delta came along, everything changed, and everything has changed, and and we've seen that. It's time to to move on now. But coincidental with this. Uh, whether it's factual uh, coincidence or was just a coincidence, um, uh, we've had Delta arrive. Delta could have been promoted by vaccines. You know, the the non-normal progression of a vaccine, uh, of a virus, could could be almost, it could burn itself out without a vaccine. But we've got these vaccines that seem to be interrupting the flow now. And, Everything is changing. So we've got this Delta come on the scene now. We can't control it. I I think that it's time to... to. I mean, I don't see the reason for a state border closure between Victoria and New South Wales now. Yeah, I was thinking you know, about I'm, this. I'm thinking, I'm thinking now it's time to have a good hard look at
1: that now. I was thinking about it and I thought, well... Even if New South Wales has a lower number of daily cases today than we have, their active cases are still high, but also it's still potentially introducing the virus further into Victoria, isn't it? particularly the regions, if their people are coming from New South Wales into regional Victoria, that's a problem because regional Victoria is almost operating under what the old strategy was, which was hope to keep it close to zero. Um, but also, even if you're, they're coming into Melbourne, they're still bringing in the virus, which then spreads to someone else, which then spreads to someone else. and You know, one new infection, when you look at that geometric modelling and the exponential increase, that gets to 30 oh.
0: to 60 and so on. Oh. I I fully agree with the geometric model you're talking about, but I would just like to say that I think that that's potentially going to happen. The graph probably won't get any steeper if we do open the border. It's going to happen. We're in an exponential situation now. Border open or border closed. My heart goes out to these people who are living in New South Wales and, and are not allowed under the emergency law, to come back in and uh the premier made a captain call on that one uh last week and said we'll let them in if they're double vaxxed where's that coming from i mean that just seemed to be a bit of a spur of the moment decision and i and i really i, I have great i take great umbrage with umbrage with that I, I i don't think that that's i don't i said it last week i don't think it's legal i don't think it's i don't think he should have said that and there are especially well, not especially, moreover, that there are other ways of dealing with this without requesting people be double-vaxxed and imposing that time on them away from Victoria. I mean, I just think that this is just really, really out of control now. Well, I don't
1: see why they didn't set up the idea of motels along the border and have quarantine We spoke about that last silence. week,
0: and that is that's definitely on a Monday, practical, yeah. practical way of, of doing this Uh, um, that they've avoided that question. Um, um, This is a great imposition. Well,
1: I don't understand why you would
0: prioritise
1: people coming in from overseas. And the reason is, if they're coming in from New South Wales, at least the variant of the virus is the same as what's here in Victoria. Whereas if people are coming in from overseas and going through the hotel quarantine system, there is the risk that that a different variant
0: leaks out that's exactly my point too i don't as i said to you if 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 the experts were to do a graph i don't i don't feel that the graph would steepen with a border opening
1: i think it could but um yeah it's more about how much more vaccination do we need to get to 80% in about a month or a month and a weeks time uh, because once we get to that point then they're happy to let the cases
0: at this stage they're happy to let the cases ratchet up and then it wouldn't be an issue it's it's all in accordance with uh with mass with 80 percent vaccinations and 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 this brings to point places like south australia and tasmania what's going to happen there I mean, are they going to feel comfortable about opening up? Certainly, I would. Maybe not. And, no, you know, that's up to them. But to be honest, my
1: thinking is less about I want to go to Tasmania or Queensland. It's more about I'd like to go to metropolitan Melbourne. Um, a lot of the places I want to go to at the moment are all locked down. So you can't go there. Mm. Um, so let's let's try and get to Melbourne first, and <laughs> maybe Gippsland, Latrobe <laughs> Valley, and you know, yep. Mornington Peninsula, yep. and Mitchell Shire, and let's go there first, and then let's start to worry about South Australia, Western Australia, Queensland. Um, just reading uh, first of all is an update from New South Wales: eight hundred and sixty-four new in. local cases, um, but fifteen deaths, and. They say 64% of residents aged 16 and over are fully vaccinated in New South Wales, which I believe is better than ours, but I'd have to check. 64% age 60 and over? 16. Oh, 16, sorry. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, better than ours, but I'd have to check that. But I'm pretty sure it is because we've already established that New South Wales got more of the vaccine, which I didn't agree with, but I think you... I didn't agree or
0: disagree. I just floated the the reasoning, that's all. But But it's happened. Interesting point, though, about the the change in the policy 59 plus, uh, 59 years and over. Getting their choice of vaccine now. Yeah, so what's
1: your thought on that? Well if they have the stock then why couldn't they? I think the only reason why they couldn't beforehand was because they didn't have the stock available and now clearly that a lot of people that are in the target age range for Pfizer because they can't as easily get AstraZeneca due to the blood clotting issue, now that a lot of them have been vaccinated or at least are in the Pipeline to get their second vax because they've been vaccinated once. Um, that presumably frees up stock to allow more people that haven't been vaccinated at all to come in and use those other vaccines other than AstraZeneca.
0: Oh well, you know, I, I tend to think that it's a, it was a it was a law of convenience. But, but well, they just didn't have the stock, right? It, well, they didn't have the stock, but they used medical reasons to to deflect it. But I, I think that.
1: that um, more choice is always a good
0: thing, isn't it? So, oh, look, I, I think it's a good, good outcome. We spoke as long about as this enough stock. a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's really important that that they did give the older people the choice. We felt like we're on the back burner and pushed to the side, uh, without a voice. And and it's really important that the older older people do have that choice. And things are moving quickly uh, towards doubly vaccinated
1: requirements. We're at 50% now. Or close um, to in terms of uh, I've been involved in conversations around an event this week and it's yep. going to be in sort of summer next year and it will be a doubly vaxxed event. So people that aren't vaccinated won't be able to attend and that's the way the world's moving. Is that the right way to go? Well, that's what people are doing. Um, I don't know whether it is or not um, because it's, it's really predicated on the question of if someone is fully vaccinated, can someone who is not vaccinated infect them or are they more likely to? And I think the answer is yes, but you really have to establish a causal link there and make that clear to sell the argument.
0: So you're saying that someone who's had two vaccines can be affected by someone...
1: Yes, who's because not- the vaccine's not 100% effective. So even if it's 85% effective, for example, there's still that 15% chance that the person next to you who isn't vaccinated could still pass it on to you and it could still have an effect on your life. And I think that's the rationale at the moment. But um, exactly how likely that is, that scenario, I don't know. It's, well, it's a
0: sound rationale. That, and, it's entirely and, and contingent and I'll, on I'll, the medical I'll, advice, and I'll, I don't know. But that's the that's the issue. Yeah, that's easy to accept. If
1: so it's, the argument from a lot of people is, well, why would you make something compulsorily vaccinated because if you've been doubly vaxxed, you don't have anything to worry about. That's what I think. But I think the issue is that the vaccine's never going to be 100% effective and it's still more dangerous. Plus, um, I was talking to someone yesterday who was being vaccinated at the exact same time that I was. So we've both been vaccinated for a few months now. And uh, they said, when do you think we'll be going in to get our booster? Because I see Joe Biden over in the States. He's already had his third dose of um, whatever he was going Getting. Probably the president probably good, should be able to get it. <laughs> oh, I think so. I think he should be the front of the queue, absolutely. But the point is, if the president has to get his third dose, it's only a matter of time before minor people like us have to go and get our third dose of the vaccine.
0: Well, uh... So
1: you'll have a, a green tick for two initial vaccines, then you'll have a I don't know, a red tick for the booster tick, and then,
0: yeah. 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 It's a bit like the good citizen line up and uh, show us yes, you're a good citizen, go in. That's a concerning factor with this. Did you see the movie Gattaca from 1997?
1: Look, up no, I haven't. But, uh, yeah, they scan this thing to go in, and if you're got good DNA, you get a tick, and if you're not, you get a cross and you're not allowed in. And does this, does it... It's a dystopian film. Yeah, I agree. Does it well, as, as, I've said, you. as I said, I think it's vastly preferable to have that system than what we're going through at the moment, which is locked down. I'd much rather have things open, even if there's the vaccination requirement. So if that's the choice, it's a no-brainer for me. But I do understand that that's an issue. And if people aren't getting vaccinated, to sort of push them to the margins doesn't achieve a lot of social good, in my view. It actually creates problems
0: uh doesn't well you well you, you i'd agree with that it doesn't agree it doesn't uh but i still
1: think it's a it's a preferable situation than what we're going through at the moment where everyone is locked down and miserable
0: well you know look at it from the other side what about the people who choose not to be vaccinated what what could be a reason for that well there's There's all sorts of QAnon theories. Let's just get rid of those people. We're not going to... They're not coming in here today, but uh, there are other reasons. People might choose... Some people have deeply held personal convictions and... Mm, There's that. There's that. But then there are the sort of people who have never taken medication and don't take medication and think, I'm looking at the odds, you know, percentage-wise... And I'm happy to run the race and get natural immunity. Mm. Uh, now, probably not a. It's not a fashionable idea. line of thought. It's not a fashionable line of thought. But I tell, I can tell you from my conversations, it is, it is a very popular line of thought, Mitchell.
1: Mm, I just think the virus is so dangerous, and
0: you hear well, about well, the do people. Do we know? Do we know how dangerous this virus is? The the virus is dangerous because of its morbidity, and that, and by that. I'm not telling you anything this, here. By that, we haven't got the physical way of dealing with the people who are sick and they are displacing those who are genuinely ill and we, we, everything gets clogged up. Now, you know... That being said, we can still hold the death rate to 1.5% or 2%. Now, that's 2 out of 100.
1: But I believe, you know, there's a few arguments there. One, if you end up in hospital, it's not especially pleasant for a number of reasons. Because if your goal out of life is to avoid medication, well, being in hospital would be just about the worst thing for you. And also, the experience of going through that and being on a respirator... I think that would be challenging. And then they make the argument about the long COVID issue and... um,
0: Yeah, right. Okay, let's get to that in a second. But do you know, Jenny McArkis, and Dan Andrews denied this, said, no, no, she wouldn't have said that. And and I've seen the footage. She made the promise of 4,500 ICU beds. But also it was
1: a media release from the Premier and a social post on the Premier's page. So there was a commitment there. What was so hard about it? We've not seen any of that. Well, I think they've just got to stop being so opaque about it. And if the situation has changed or it wasn't possible, if they said 4,000 but it wasn't on paper actually
0: possible... It was four, to deliver a four thousand, We had already.
1: But they need to come and say, well, why was that the case and stop being so there's opaque?
0: A, there's a lot of non-answering of questions going on at the moment. Well,
1: you should have seen the media conference yesterday. The things that were going on there, uh, it was up there with... Some of the more incredible ones I've seen. I didn't
0: see it, but let me, let me just guess. I'm not going to answer that. That's before the... Uh... Well, there was that about the WorkSafe thing. So, oh, well, yeah, it's been well, in front of the magistrate's well, court. Well, well, we predicted that a long time ago. When that first hit, When that first hit, we said there's going to be legal action over this, didn't we? Except what happens, the government's finding itself. And who loses out of that? Taxpayers. We, we, yeah, but that can't be allowed to stand. You can't find an institution you got to find individuals. You can't... That cannot be allowed to Well,
1: say. we'll see if that, at the moment, it would appear that they're not really going after individuals, does it?
0: Well, let's just let it develop.
1: We'll uh, you see. Know. But at the moment, it would seem that they're not doing that. They're going after... Maybe they will from the investigations. Um, the thing that we might gain out of it is if it goes through the court system and people are compelled to provide evidence, you may find out a little bit more about what it was really like. When those decisions were being made, you know, in the Department of Health in those days last year, when they were working out how the hotel quarantine was going to work, because the more information that comes to light about that, it's pretty damning. And
0: look, Sally reckless. McManus has been very clear; she's sick of the workers bearing the brunt for this and she'd be entirely correct. You mean like the frontline security correct. workers? They were untrained, they were unaware of their role, they that's weren't just the were prepped properly. That's WorkSafe's issue, isn't it? It's not so much
1: the security guards weren't doing the right thing, it's more um, there was no infection control
0: plan, no proper correct. training. Correct. So she, she, was, she was defending the workers and she's entirely correct about that. You know, it, it's it's from the management above and were 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 their favours done here? That was often said at the time. I don't know. And that's what I said at
1: the time as well, when there was this big ideological debate about private security against the professionals, the police, the military, and people said, well, um, the conservative side of politics is happy to have privatisation in other areas. Why wouldn't they want to have it in hotel quarantine? And I said at the time, it's not about whether it's private security or uh, whether it's the police. It's not about who actually does it. It's about... What are the checks and balances? What's the oversight? Who's supervising it? What training is provided? And how are we actually monitoring to make sure the work is done? And it would appear, and we'll probably find out through this process, but it would appear from the uh, COAT inquiry that those <coughs> checks and balances weren't sufficient. Or if they um, were sufficient, they wouldn't have had the result that we had.
0: Yep. Um, now, uh, further to that, um, and look, we at the time, going back, uh and it's it's matter of record we were very adamant that that uniform uniforms should be running this not politicians and that's where the faults faults fell that's where the faults came from 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 self-serving politicians keeping their own name in the in the highlight in in the highlight in the limelight and making big big mistakes we've got John Fruin running it now uh nationally and he's doing a great job and he's trying to bring it all together. Except Uh, is there more accountability if the politicians run it because at least you can
1: one ask them questions in the parliament at media conferences and two vote them out at the next election if you don't like them.
0: They they don't come off the scene. They answer to to the the, uh, structural uh, limitations put on them by their the superiors being those people who are good at running these things, which then eventually comes back to the politicians. It does, it. but at least they're going to have at least they're going to be taking instruction and doing the best they can, not just using their own judgment, which is exactly exactly what happened under hotel quarantine. And Georgie Crozier's has asked for them all to resign, and she'd be exactly right about that. She's, When's she
1: coming on the program?
0: Well, uh, put it to her uh, to come on today, but. She said she was busy, and I wonder what with. She's got lots going on. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: for a start, the opposition doesn't have that many people in parliament, so I don't know if you've ever been on their website, but they all have about six or seven portfolios each that they have to run or respond to or be across. So, you know, you crazy, might be the shadow minister for health, youth education, arts, major events. And you know, good all times. For the one, and good times. All for the one person. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so, yes, that's the situation. Oh, just with the announcement at 11.30, I do see the premier is going to be speaking and it is actually going to be about the roadmap out for the construction industry. Oh, that's And you'd point. have to say, with the construction industry, with all the cases, can they really... If you were serious, could they really safely reopen? Uh, well, at this point, it's a it's a, might be a bit premature to give a roadmap out. Well, I think they are because I read last night the talk was that uh, construction sites could go back to fifty percent, which is actually more than what they were before the shutdown. Because
0: construction is it's it's primal, it's critical that it get, it gets going, and it, it is. could be it could be with the imposition of of uh, perhaps tests and a week's quarantine. Okay, you can go back to work. Do you know? And I think that that's entirely reasonable. And it gets back to the case uh, on the border. Um, you know, tests, uh, a week or two's quarantine. Okay, you can come back to your home and your family. Uh, I mean, it's not on our border, but there was a case there of a child couldn't even get back to its parents, and, uh, and that was not was not our border. But that's just the whole lunacy thing. Now, I would make the I will make the prediction here too. Now, now uh, Graham uh, Tucker, I forget now from Flight Centre. He's bringing an action against uh, the state government to open the border, uh, notably uh, the Victorian border, and he's one of the principal has Not set in stone yet, and there will be other contributors. Mm. But but now, if he's successful, and and they do open the border, um, could that imply that there is wrong wrongdoing that it, and and incorrect judgments that have occurred? Could that? Open the the door to other legal actions from uh, people who have been uh, disadvantaged and suffered huge loss from these judgments about holding them out. I mean, look, I am not one to say we should open the border. That that's something for the for, for consultation. I am one to say these people should be able to come back to their homes and their families. I'm really I, I really find that incongruous. I cannot. Get my head around the fact that we cannot find a way of bringing them home. It's they're not in the Ukraine. They're in New South Wales. It's 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 appalling. It's an appalling situation. Yeah, well, I don't see why we can't just do the motels. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um, Just on the point about the legal action, not sure what their chances might be, but I do know that the government has a lot of powers when it comes to pandemics. That's correct. And the they'll be hiding behind that. very exactly extensive. Correct. That's exactly so, correct, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sure that That's they would have done all the... Because uh, I think Clive Palmer tried to take the WA government to task about the border closure and I'm assuming that didn't go very far. No, it didn't. And the other point about the construction industry opening, I've got a feeling that if it does and goes back to 50%, there might be some people saying, well, if the construction industry is allowed to open in Metro Melbourne, why can't my industry... No, it always open?
0: operated. The construction... Op- it, it operated all through the first lockdown.
1: And someone would say, why? Well... I mean, yes... Well, uh, well, we
0: didn't have the failures in the construction industry. Yeah, to be
1: fair, in the first lockdown, it didn't result in many cases. That's this correct. time around, it has because Which of Which would surprise Delta. me, you know. But now with Delta... It doesn't necessarily surprise me because in the construction industry, there's not much social distancing. Like, if you're working as part of a team, maybe on some scaffolding or something. There's not much social distance unless you're a worker sort of on your own, right?
0: Look, it would be very difficult to be doing hard work and keeping a mask on too. I'm not saying they took their yeah, mask. Yeah, I agree. But that would be very difficult, especially be. in the heat. Yep. Uh, so, But but it points to the whole moving of the foundations between what was then and what is now. That that, that virus was completely different to what we're dealing with now and what we could be dealing with in the future and it gets back to a point we raised earlier about people being hesitant about getting the vaccine when they look at this graph at what the, what the virus is doing will they be required think they think will will if i get this virus now if i get sorry if i get this injection now 6 months down the track will i have to get another type of Uh, vaccine um that's a concerning factor too for some people you know that 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 causes hesitancy you know if i just sit back and wait and watch a bit more it's got nothing to do with being you know untrustworthy about a vaccine or being an anti-vaxxer hate that term um but it's got nothing to do with that it's just being it's being cautious and people get to this age and they are cautious Uh, so that's just part of the nature and, and, and that restricting their, their choice of vaccine was a huge uh, tactical blunder because... Uh, but I couldn't see any other way you could do it. Well, why not?
1: But if you don't have the well, supply... Well, well,
0: well, but, but why? Yeah, but hang on. Why would you treat people over 59 differently? Because they're less susceptible to no, the blood well, clots I, I issue. I, I, was that really proven? I mean... I think it was. I think they looked at the number of people but in you know Europe. But Even so, even so, even so, Mitchell, the point is... A person surely has the right to say what goes in their body, under which circumstances it does go in their body. Well, it's they, like the boats coming into Australia. They did.
1: They can choose whether to get it or not. As in the Astrazeneca, and
0: that's my point. They chose not to get it.
1: A lot chose not to get it. The way, it. in my view, it should be, it should be a
0: choice. Um, but there will because be consequences. Well, I, 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 we we, we, we differ a bit here because I don't think they. And being right in this camp, I don't think we did have the choice. That that was that we were corralled. We were we were. You were, were press, we press, heavily, we were, but you could still choose not to get it. There's an old term for it: press ganged. Well, there's it's a popular view in the community
1: for obvious reasons to get vaccinated at the moment because people know or are told that if we get to eighty percent double vax, we get a reprieve from the lockdowns.
0: So that's why it would be a popular view. They, but they say that that seventy to eighty percent is quite a. It's quite a push, you know, compressing that spring uh, into 80% is quite difficult. Um, let's hope that doesn't happen. Hopefully it will, yeah.
1: Well, we'll take a break because uh, yeah. we've been going hard at it for a long time on this program. Right. But there's lots of uh, lots of things to get out there. Um, during the break, we might just see if there's been any interesting announcements about the construction okay. industry. And we'll be back after this. Until midday, you're listening to 11 on Friday on 94.7 The Pulse. Well, first of all, just a few updates from the media conference, which has been underway while we've been talking. First of all, the Murable LGA is to enter a seven-day snap lockdown from tonight, 11.59. And where is Murable? Well, it's pretty much between here and Dalesford. Uh, right. So if you're driving out, uh, you know, you're on the Anarchy Road, and once you get past sort of Stoughton Vale, it becomes Mirable Shire, uh, into Bolan. That's Mirable Shire, includes Bacchus Marsh. <laughs> Don't stop at the pub. <laughs> yeah, and uh, all the way up through Quingy Bora. That's right on the way to Dalesford. Okay. So well, that is in a snap seven-day lockdown, which is surprising because I didn't realise there were that many cases out that way mm. in Morrible Shire. They must have had a, a big spike in the last 24 hours. Sometimes I think we don't get to know everything that happens. No, but, we know. don't. Uh, and the big thing we don't know is how are people being infected? They've sort of given us hints, but they're not being really transparent, in my view, about that information that they have. Is it essential workers or is it illegal gatherings or whatever it is? Um, The other thing is the essential workers, this is a big one, anyone who's an authorised worker, I'm assuming this is under the umbrella of Metropolitan Melbourne and those parts of regional Victorian lockdown, from the 15th of October, if they want to keep working, they'll need to have received one dose of the vaccine. So that was 50%... No, this is if you are an authorised worker. From what I'm reading here, on the 15th of October, you'll need to have received one dose. Okay,
0: all right. So if you're allowed to leave the house, so this for work, is coming back now to mandatory max- vaccinations and people for working target industries. So, well, you, you know we need we need a federal government uh, statement on. I mean, I'm in this business. I'm in this problem with my own business how do I handle my employees, you know? Uh, mandatory ma- vaccination, big subject for next week, maybe. But, um, listen, something... We just had an ad about FIRE. FIRE season's coming up, and I just wanted to bring into uh, uh, the conversation the, um, the the new special on the ABC. Uh, it's called Fires, and with Richard Roxburgh as an excellent actor. But I just question the judgment about bringing that uh, uh, into our screens and into our living rooms so early Can when so s- many people are actually... Suffering so badly. Is it about bushfires? It's a, it's a drama about bushfires. Seems to be very um, uh, uh, opportunistic, let's to say the least. So, is it a new it's new just, drama? It's a new drama. Yeah, it's coming out on ABC, and, and it's about what? Surviving it's about a bushfire? People surviving bushfires. Mm. You know, it's kind of a Hollywood take on. Well, say Hollywood take. It's a dramatic take on fires and people. Getting bent, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there suffering huge mental trauma with all this, as, as indeed I think we all are suffering a lot of sadness with this. I, I question the ABC's judgment on, on bringing that forth at this point. They would say perhaps that it has an educational value. Well, it doesn't. Think, we, we've got plenty of educational value, Mitchell. We don't need to be educated on this anymore. Do you think if people see
1: that, though, dramatised on
0: the screen, uh, how quickly bushfires can take hold,
1: how hard it is to escape, that maybe people get their act together on... Because I know a lot of people in the bush do a great job with bushfire preparedness, and particularly since Black Saturday, things have
0: stepped up. But would it remind people to clean out your gutters and Mitchell, have a fire Mitchell, if they're plan? not uh, cognisant of that now, they never will be, and on the other side of the ledger there there are a lot of people suffering mental trauma still and don't even aren't even living in a home and there we've got people profiting or profiteering off this this construct of a of a this is a classic debate, though, isn't it? I mean, how soon after the tragedy
1: can you dramatize it? A bit like uh, we talked about 9-11 last month and uh, just five years after 9-11, they had the film that came out about United 93. A
0: lot of people said at the time five years was too soon. Well, to be honest, have you seen that film lately? I, yes. I, it's, oh, you have? United 93, yeah. yes. Yeah, we watched it um, at home a few weeks ago. Okay. Well, look, um, it's an interesting one. The, the, the thing, the difference there between the twin towers, is it was more of a compact event that started and finished at a certain time. Where fires are on, where fires are ongoing, and and the circumstances surrounding them are ongoing. People still haven't got homes to live in, and and there we have a drama, uh, people getting dramatized and uh, using their lives on the on the big screen. In effect, using their misfortune uh, for someone's gain. I think it's, I think it's poor judgment on the ABC's part. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's a very, very tough one uh, because I can see
1: both sides. I mean, every drama at one point or another gets dramatized. I mean, I get the uh, what you're saying about the rolling devastation with tries as opposed to, you know, something like
0: the Titanic or... I wonder if they're going to factor in um, um, Scott Morrison in Hawaii. I wonder if he'll be... Um, well, uh, is it actually meant to be about the 2019 bushfires, or is it just about bushfires yeah, it's in about, general? Well, it's about well, what other bushfires would you? I mean, we had some bad like ones. Saturday, there back in, so yeah, we had some terrible fires then. But I think that I think that that whole summer of fires. It took everyone by surprise. Black Saturday was probably worse for the deaths. On a single event, 170 people or something, that's correct. Um, And at least now they know to, you know, evacuate people. This other event permeated our whole lifestyle. It changed our whole way of thinking about who we are and way we should be tackling perhaps climate change, even though I always say, you know, anything we do is probably not going to change the situation, but we have to lead by example. And that's why our men should be in... Glasgow uh, for the climate summit in December. And just uh, last of all, construction set to open oh, okay. from next
1: Tuesday. Well, a huge generator wealth. I think maybe about 50% would have to check that through, but um, yeah, they're going to have to be vaccinated if they want to participate from the 15th. So how's that going to go down? That will be interesting. We'll watch it. Uh, there'll be people that won't. And the same won't. with every other like teachers who are authorised workers will have to be vaccinated.
0: How... How is that going to go down? Uh, we'll watch very closely. You know, Mitchell, about this vaccine, uh, people are very concerned, and I'm not saying I'm one of them, but they're very concerned about the role of Big Pharma in all this and, and where truth lies in all this. And so they are hesitant. I'm not saying they're anti vaxxers, but they are hesitant, and with just cause. You've got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. saying that, uh, you know, he's, he's an I don't know what basis he's running that on but he's a very prominent american um and uh, there must be other people too that are affecting well we will take we'll we'll go to the uh, midday news
1: in fact and we'll talk about it next week and see how it's all gone down okay so good to catch up with you again good mitchell let's hope that we stay out of lockdown so we can be back next
0: week safely cheers yes
1: and i'll be back on monday morning from nine o'clock right here on the Pulse midday news is next
0: the mitchell's front page podcast is brought to you by geelong bank